Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, all in the last seven days, Jalen Hurts leads a comeback. Alabama's your SEC champion. Mike Loxley's on the move. The Heisman may have slipped away from Tua. Recruiting is ramped up with the early signing period just a couple weeks away. It's, it's been an emotional week in Tuscaloosa. Oh, and uh, the refs are apparently at it again this past <laughs> Saturday, too, so... Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a ride the last seven days, and we are not even close to the peak of it yet. All right, Jalen Hurts, in the same building he was benched in a little less than a year ago, against the same program he was benched against, enters the SEC championship game with roughly 11 minutes left down seven, and tell me if it did the same for you, because I feel like I'm not alone here. But it completely changed my viewing experience. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. In the first three quarters, which we could argue was one of Alabama's worst performances in years, I was almost hate-watching it. <laughs> I'm being a curmudgeon. It had come to a point where my thought process was that they, they didn't deserve to win that game. Then, as soon as Jalen Hurts enters the game, it sort of breathed life into me when the realization of what could happen hit me. It completely became about wanting it for Jalen Hurts. I mean, I know the, this has been the storyline since Saturday, and I, I just, I still cannot fathom it. I, I mean, <laughs> and what's funny is I don't want to like sound arrogant or cocky, but halfway through the first quarter, I sent a message uh, in a group DM and said, you know, it's going to be crazy if Alabama's down big at halftime and Jalen comes in and leads us back <laughs> and wins. Now, I didn't figure that was going to be because our sweet Simone Prince got hurt, but it, it was, I, I'm not going to lie, dude, I I teared up a little bit. Look, everyone that listens, we, you know, we're both fans of Jalen. We've supported him. We weren't one of the uh, one of the ones that were just trying to over, you know, put Tua to rest, period, from the get-go. We love Tua, but I don't know of a better textbook way that you could have scripted a story like this. And this is a lesson that's going to be learned at all levels of football and passed on to different players for years to come. Look, of course, we want Alabama to win the game. We want them to be conference champions. We, we want them to make the playoffs. Wanting, wanting that game for Jalen Hurts overtook all of that for me. And that, that's the first time I can remember watching Alabama and it being about one player more than any, anything else. And in most cases, if I say a game becomes about an individual more than a team, that's going to be viewed as a negative, right? Mm-hmm. But in the case of Jalen Hurts, it's a guy who spent the better part of a year putting team above self, and nobody deserved that moment more than him. You aren't the only one that teared up. Uh, I posed <laughs> I the question on Twitter, has a football game ever made you want to cry? And I bet I got 100 resp- responses from people basically admitting that they were crying after the game, and I think possibly Nick Saban may have may have oh, been in that group as well that post-game press conference or post-game interview on the field that made me cry more than Jalen doing what he did <laughs> I mean my dad never sheds tears but damn it boy did he uh he get a little choked up there it, it was it was hard not to feel good for him and that that may have been the first time in a long time where I can remember maybe Alabama was the good guy you know they're, they're viewed as like the Darth Vader right of college mm-hmm. football uh, how can you? How can a neutral observer have been watching that game and not wanted Jalen Hurts to complete that comeback? Oh, exactly. I mean, it was so awesome to see former NFL greats, you know, like T.O. tweeting out how proud and happy they were for him to get not only get that opportunity, unfortunately, the way it happened, but to prove ev- to everybody that he strides better than what he was and what we still thought he used, you know, 
was before. And that goes to show even more what we've been saying since week one. Back the truck up and pay Dan Enos because he cannot leave. He is he has made such an impact in his first <laughs> season. It's unreal. Oh, and we're going to get into the offensive coordinator position shortly. But let, let me put this nugget in your ear real quick. Mm-hmm. Shannon Terry, who is the founder of both Rivals and 24-7 Sports, he's someone that's really well-connected at Alabama. He sent out a tweet on Thursday that said this, quote, It really wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Hurts stays with the plan to redshirt next year at Alabama. The four-game rule, plus risk of injury for Tua, along with two years of continuity and development, could give him the best opportunity to develop into a next-level quarterback. End quote. So Shannon is basically throwing out a scenario where Jalen Hurts red shirts next year, Tua leaves early for the NFL draft, and Jalen Hurts is your starter at Alabama in 2020. And you'll have Talia and Paul and all them behind them too. I mean, that's uh, that is one hell of a gump scenario right there. <laughs> Probably not the greatest scenario for Mac Jones, but ah. he'll be all right. Yeah. This may be short-sighted as well, and tell me if it is. But if Tua and Alabama had to give up a Heisman so we could experience that moment for Jalen Hurts, I think it was worth it. Oh, I mean, how many runners-up have we had under Nick Saban? Three? You know, A.J. Trent and Amari. So they won the titles each one of those years, and they had great moments. Every season had a play that defined it, but nothing had a play define it the way this one did this year. And I do think you're on to something there because the way it's looking may end up, you know, not being too as Heisman as a month ago we would have thought. Yeah. Look, I know how I felt watching Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry win their Heisman trophies. And anyone emotionally invested in the program will appreciate those moments forever. But I don't know that I've ever felt anything like I did on Saturday night. I mean, it was I was the proudest parent that could ever exist. It was incredible. And the way it's looking, I mean, we'll we'll have to see over the next two weeks of recovery. But this may not be the last chance for him to do something like that. Yeah. Is Kyler Murray deserving of the Heisman? Absolutely. I mean, we've said it multiple times. I mean, it just sucks that there's we said two. But honestly, if you look at the stats that, you know, Dwayne Haskins has had this year, I mean, he's had one hell of a year, too. But as far as, you know, performance, efficiency and actual watching the tape. Kyler and Tua are just heads and above the entire nation, and it's a damn shame that both of them are going to be overshadowed by each other. However, it is going to set up for maybe once now people can say Alabama has played somebody on December 29th. (laughs) Look, I think Kyler Murray is a deserving player. And in most any other year, he probably runs away with the trophy. As you could, you could say the same thing for Tua. My only complaints with this whole thing is that basically Tua trying to tough out an injury he got on the first drive of a game against what's probably a top two or three team in the nation might cost him the trophy. Uh, he, he was an overwhelming favorite this time last week. So basically him trying to play injured for his team for 45 minutes out of the season is what will cost him if he loses. Yeah, and... You know, at this point, I don't feel the way I would have had he, you know, played the whole game, not gotten injured. Yeah. I'm just more concerned now about the first round matchup than I am about this coming Saturday and who's raising the trophy. Uh, Also, nationally, another thing that kind of bothers me, and we won't harp on the the Heisman too much. I, I get it. I don't see many people pointing out the difference in competition when it comes to the defenses both of these guys are playing against. And that's not taking anything away from Kyler Murray, so I don't want to paint it as that. Uh, But this has been an issue for the Big 12 for a while. They don't recruit defensive players that are the same caliber as the other Power 5 conferences do. And I went went on 24-7 sports right before we started recording just to see how many top defensive players were committed to to Big 12 schools in general. 
Alabama has six defensive players in the top 100 players in the country for the 2019 class. They have 12 defensive players in the top 250. Tell me how many Big 12 players in the entire conference are in the top 100. Four. One. God. One. In the top 200 is four. Four t- yeah. defensive defensive end of Texas or something. Uh, I think I think Oklahoma has two of the five in the top two hundred total, and Texas has three. Yeah, that's. Uh, it, yeah. I want to say it's hard to believe, but honestly, it's not, given the trend that the Big Twelve has been on for it, the better part of I don't know uh, since Michigan last won their national championship outright. You know, I, if my memory serves me. Uh, last night I saw a stat that it was talking about top, uh, I think it was 70 defenses in the country. And Tua had played eight, Kyler had played three. Yeah, I mean, and you can see that. Like, recruiting rankings aren't the end-all, be-all in, in every scenario, but they are telling. And Alabama has more defensive players committed in the top 100 players in the country than the entire Big 12 has in the top 200 players in the country. Yeah, I think seventy uh, over 70 kids on Alabama's roster were four or five stars, yeah. so. But like I've said on here before, I've been lucky enough to attend all five national championships Alabama has won under Nick Saban. And not one time have I thought about the Heisman Trophy as the clock hit zero and confetti was raining. Not a single time. Absolutely. Yeah, while I do, I do want Tua to win. I think it's it might be a win-win situation for Alabama in general. Uh, if he if he wins, that's great, great publicity. Alabama has a Heisman winner at quarterback. If he loses, uh, that's something that I think maybe the coach and staff uses going into the semifinal game. Oh, for sure, and that's going to ramp up the disrespect from the media bros across <laughs> yeah. the country. So. <laughs> Moving on to the offensive coordinator position, Brad. Mike Loxley will be the new head coach at Maryland next season. Yeah, I think this is a move everyone has seen coming ever since uh, the unfortunate uh, scenario played itself out at the end of the summer and start of the season. And I can't tell you with everything that Coach Lox has gone through with the loss of a son to how just happy, true, genuine happy I am for him to be able to get another chance. You know, he he won the Frank Broyles Award two nights ago as the top assistant coach in college football, deserving of that but even more so where he has a luster about him in a small way like Saban does in the state of Alabama. That is Mike Loxley and the respect he garners amongst the people in the state of Maryland or the DMV zone as a whole. And I think he is going to make one hell of a redemption story for himself. And already out the gate, there's a lot of chatter of some four- and five-star guys in that DMV zone that are already looking at Maryland. Yeah, I don't know that Alabama is going to have the same success in the DMV as they have with Loxley on staff, but you, you have to feel happy for him. Uh, like you said, he's been through it, man. He, he basically had a failed stint as a head coach in New Mexico. He comes to Alabama as an analyst, moves his way up. Like you said, his, his son was shot and killed last year. And he basically himself has said that he uses football as, as his refuge from that. Now he's basically the OC for the best offense in the history of Alabama football. And he, he gets his chance to go back home and, and lead Maryland. But with that comes rumors. <laughs> December <laughs> is always the month of hashtag sources. Yeah. And the hottest rumor is Hugh Freeze, who at the time of this recording is still unemployed. What's your initial reaction to hearing Hugh Freeze's name associated with Alabama? Well, I mean, we can go back and turn on the post-national championship episode we did uh, in January. Um, My my feelings have not changed, by the way. Well, I didn't expect anything other. Uh, 
his, uh, his one-year clause is now up. I know Tennessee is making a hard push for him, but it sounds like they're going to be going in a different direction. Auburn is only offering, from what I'm told, a one-year contract right now, and uh, Cody Burns is being linked to uh, that position as OC there since Chip Lindsey left to go coach for <laughs> less miles in Kansas. <laughs> but look, I, I think the whole Hugh thing, is it's like we talked about before, what everyone talks about. If he can help the offense – Great. If he's going to be considered for a job at a team that you're going to play in the future, why let him go there if he can help you? He's a good recruiter, too. I mean, I don't I get the morality side and the ethical side. But right now, I think just like I said in January, it's still fresh. Let time pass. It'll be different. And I think almost a year, it'll be enough time. Honestly, if he is brought in, it won't be as though he won't be replacing Loxley where he's going to have 70 plus percent of the influence of play calling. I think Dan Enos is being groomed for something larger. And I think Hugh may come in in the Dan Enos role to where he'll have some quarterback work and he'll also be, you know, one third of the OC. I don't want to be a hypocrite here because I believe in second chances. A lot of times when it's an Alabama player, uh, I like to see them get a second chance. I don't want their their personal life ruined over a stupid mistake. I just prefer Hugh Freeze, who is not 19 years old, to get his second chance elsewhere. His personal life is his personal life. But when you're essentially making yourself a public Bible thumper that Hugh Freeze made himself out to be, and neither your personal or professional life is above board, it turns people off. It turned me off. I thought he was a phony before it was confirmed that he was a phony. But it's confirmed now, and I just prefer he be elsewhere. Let me pose this question to you. If I'm Dabo, or I'm Kirby, or or anyone else recruiting against Hugh Freeze at Alabama, what's the first thing I'm bringing up to mom and dad in their living room? that if you need an inspiring Bible verse on Twitter, follow <laughs> Hugh Freeze. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question, do you want to leave your son in the hands of that guy? And I know what that, I know what the answer would be if it was my son. Yeah. And the answer, and I, the answer would be no. And I understand that point. And look, I'm just here to tell you, we both know people that have played Division One college football. Yeah. We both have heard stories yeah. of what goes on on recruiting trips. And if all of a sudden that makes the change in uh, morality for the parents of where their son needs to go outside of everything yeah. else, then that's fine. But I, it's a business, bro. And honestly, is. Uh, this is a business decision that if Saban decides to make it, he will. But let me go on record, too, by saying I am 100% for it just being Coach Enos next year calling plays. That, I am okay with that. That is clearly now, what I'm in favor of. <laughs> and let me also say, too, if we're promoting Butch Jones, it only needs to go no higher than tight end. It's still some detailing. That's it. Yeah. Another rumor is that Mike Loxley would like to bring Josh Gaddis with him to Maryland as his offensive coordinator. We all know Coach Gaddis, Alabama's wide receiver coach. Uh, he's done a great job on and off the field recruiting. Uh, he probably has the, the best wide receiver group in the country at Alabama right now. He's, just, he's done a great job in his short time in Tuscaloosa. At this point, it seems like he's staying, but he does have the option to go to Maryland if he wants to move up as a play caller. Yeah, and you know, same thing with Enos with being, in my opinion, being groomed for something larger. I think the same thing with Gaddis. I think he is still... He hasn't even come close to his prime yet as just an assistant, mm-hmm. but he is. He, I think he's the only active uh, assistant coach to win a conference title in three different conferences this decade. He, uh, he to me, is probably the most underappreciated coach that we have on the staff, mainly because I think he's the real kickstarter 
of this entire social media change that we've seen from the university over the last year. I think he's arguably the best recruiter and probably the most easy to relate with to the recruits on the staff. If he heads out, the name that we have heard (laughs) (laughs) is T. Martin. Oh, man. Talk about another guy we talked about over a year ago. Uh, Uh, Look, I despise T. (laughs) T. Martin, the offensive coordinator. So I, I hope this is not a situation where they're grooming him to be something more than a wide receivers coach. And, of course, we're, we're working in hypotheticals here. Josh Gaddis hasn't left. He probably is not leaving, it seems, as of Thursday. But if he does, T. Martin's name has been thrown out there. I once watched T. Martin, the offensive coordinator, <laughs> run a quarterback sneak on first down at midfield <laughs> because he did not know it was first down. <laughs> so, that's almost as bad as trotting your backup quarterback out of punt formation yeah. for the first time ever. Um, Almost. But I, I love T. Martin, the wide receivers coach. Well, and the recruiter, too. I mean, yeah, and the recruiter. Get it twisted. That's, yes. That'll be his main thing. And honestly, the main, I think it's 70-30 right now with Gattis from what I understand. And I think the thing that's really going to make him stay is two things. It's all about the dollar bills. And I will not be surprised if he gets hit with that co-OC tag. I mean, a co-OC and also co-head coach yeah I would much prefer basically Nick Saban and coach Gattis work something out where he's being groomed to be the offensive coordinator because look Dan Enos assuming Dan Enos is is the offensive coordinator and he's gone after next year he's probably gone after next year because he's going to have potentially an even better offense than what they're trotting out right now yeah no I don't think there's any drop off I'm happy that for the first time, it seems like we're not going outside to bring in an OC. It does suck because this is now the fifth offensive coordinator in four years. How the hell that happens with a team that continues to win national championships, I don't know. And people should, you know, kind of give Saban a little bit more uh, props to his legacy for that. But no, I do think he's going to be one, if not the hottest assistant coordinator this time next year. Yeah, there are plenty of of impressive things about. Nick Saban's coaching tenure at Alabama. But the continuous having to replace every coordinator, every position coach, what seems like every single season might be his best attribute. Yeah. Maybe. Now, we, There's we a lot of re- things to pick from. but Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't let Enos leave. We can't let Tosh leave. And other than that, I mean, hell, it's just – it's like the defense was at the beginning of this dynasty. It's just plug and play. But, but doesn't it seem like there's a guy we can't let leave every season? <laughs> well, you know, until he leaves, yeah. <laughs> until yeah. he leaves, and then he's replaced with another guy that we can't let leave. Well, and that's a good problem to have because it's continued to work. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know, man. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm not ruling out Gaddis leaving yet, but I do think it's a very good chance he does stay on staff. I hope he doesn't leave because what's about to happen with this early signing day is going to be very impressive. And we, we will do an episode after early signing day. Uh, we will do an early signing day episode. Uh, it looks like Alabama is only going to have maybe a handful of spots left uh, after December 19th. So yeah. the February signing day may not be as exciting as we will see here in a couple weeks. Yep, and going back to the whole uh, saving records thing, and it's something that I've said numerous times over the last year and a half, I, I don't know how there's – record still for the team coach Saban anything in general to be broken and somehow they still continue to break records hell even <laughs> the ones they're setting on their own in this case yeah and at, with the win over Georgia Alabama this senior class is now the winningest class in all time history in college football mm. 
until next year when that class breaks. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, that's what happened. That's what happened this season. They broke last season's. I mean, at, at this rate, if they go, if they end up fifteen and zero, then it would make sense that they break it again next year. If they, yeah. if they stay pat. I don't know if you've yeah. looked at next year's schedule, but uh, Alabama's already won about eleven of those games. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I tried to throw out there after the uh, Arkansas State game was people getting pissed off about Bama's schedule. Yeah. I'm sitting here going, "Oh boy." Yeah, wait until wait. next year because it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm telling you. And uh, that opener against Duke, I feel about the same way as I did against Louisville uh, about three years ago when they announced that game. So I will not be there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you will not find Brad at the Duke game. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.